welcome everybody to another edition of the Tugies Take Podcast, the final edition of the show for 2023. We made it. Can you believe it? We are back. Us, the guys, the fellas. I am joined alongside one Finn for the win, a.k.a. Sim for the win. Sim, mm-hmm. how the yes. heck are you? I'm, I'm doing okay. Figuring out what the hell I'm going to do on my channel, because, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know if I've ever felt, like, I've always been able to play franchise mode most of the time, and now it just, everything feels stale, except for, like, Ishul gameplay, which I don't play that often, and I couldn't really put on my channel, so I'm, uh, I'm, uh, evolving, so to mm. speak, trying to put in some different type of content. I mean, that's that's the way to do it. Um, you know, we'll put, put a pin in that. We'll come back to that in a second. Endo Mills, how are you? I'm good. Uh, I've had an eventful week. Um, it's been it's been very interesting. Um, I've had some in-laws, uh, specifically Polina's dad's finally here. And he's been basically staying with us for the past week. He's got one more week to go. He leaves, I think, on the 3rd of January, which is, I think, Wednesday. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun learning a lot, a lot about the Russian culture, learning Russian, um, speaking mostly via Google Translate other than like the basic yes, no's and please and thank you and kind of thing like that in Russian. So it's uh, it's been really it's been really great. I'll keep it very, very short because I know I go on tangents and everything. Um, but yeah, we love um, your tangents. Yes, um, kind of sh- uh, not short for time, but, you know, trying to keep it compact for once. That's my near resolution. If I'm starting it now is. Keep everything kind of compact and don't go on tangents like I am right now. <laughs> Sin, he's become self-aware. Mm, yeah. Become sentient. Oh, God. Um, Sin, back to your point then, really quickly in regards to like, all right, NHL feeling kind of stale. First and foremost, I mean, we just, uh, one solution is that we have to play more Eagle. Um Yes. I don't know if you'd be able to make content out of it necessarily. I, I got to figure but, out how to program OBS to pick up Discord, though. That's easy enough. That's quick. Oh, and easy. it's super easy. Um, I've never but done yeah, that. No, I, I think that's something we could uh, we could do. I don't know. You know, in terms of viewership, who knows how much interest people have? But in terms of hey, yeah, screwing around with the boys anyway. on Eshel, yeah, it is a possibility. But um, it's funny though because I, I, I get the. The game feels stale, and I get the eh, wanting to try to kind of adapt and try different things in the new year because I think I'm in the same spot at this stage. Um, that said, I mean, I, I have at least found ways to enjoy franchise recently, and uh, roster editing, it just it gives me life to critique EA for how shit their rosters are. So that's always fun and exhausting because there's a lot to critique. Um, yeah. but I know you too, especially like you've been affected <clears throat> by something that I haven't been so far this, you know, in this game and that is save files fucking disappearing. And yeah. that's, that is a frustration that is almost impossible, uh, to, Knock on wood. to take away. Right. Like it's like, Oh, I'll put that frustration on the back burner. It's still on the stovetop. It's still there. It's still simmering no matter what you do, because I've, I've it's had on it the warmer or two. It's just 24 has been such a weird game 
And, you know, on today's show, like we're going to go back and talk about some of the biggest stories uh, of the year in the hockey world. And, you know, you look back at, at this year, especially for NHL. And, okay, we start the year, obviously, the crossover with NHL 23 and a game that, you know, was viewed as a lot of people, rightfully so, viewed by viewed as by a lot of people, easy for me to say, as a game that they just kind of set and forgot. <clears throat> and they kind of admitted to that, too. It's like, all right, all our eggs are in the 24 basket. And then 24 has been what it's been, which. <sighs> I think they dropped a few eggs there, too. Yeah. 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 Gameplay wise, it's solid. But I agree in a lot of ways. It's still not can only perfect. carry it so far. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you try not to have recency bias affected too much. But in terms of like biggest disappointments. It's it's up there, right? If you talk about the most disappointing versions of EA NHL, the <clears throat> jump from sega genesis super nintendo era to like the ps1 um at the time granted the graphics look like shit now but the overwhelming opinion was oh this is a big leap forward the leap from ps1 to ps2 how how the hell could you possibly complain like you can play nhl01 now and it still looks pretty good to be honest yeah the jump from the ps2 era to the 360 with NHL 07, because yeah, 06 would have been the last one exclusive to those yeah. prior ones. NHL 07, you get the skill stick and everything changes. And PAHD. then the jump. Yeah. And then the jump, obviously, that we well know. NHL 15. NHL 15 is a worse game than NHL 24. It is. Oh, yeah. Yes. I've played NHL 15 within the past few months. <laughs> it is worse. But the fact that this is the closest I think they've been to an NHL 15 comparison ever in in terms of hype and disappointment is a a big, big factor as well. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, while it's not barren for content, it is in the sense that all the single player modes are exactly the fucking same. Yeah. Like, you can't just leave Be A Pro with the same story mode that you have when it came out. I want to say it's at least three years ago. Yep. And the exact same bugs are in there. Same issues with the cutscenes. Nothing has changed at all in Be A Pro. The only thing they did was change and add X-Factors in and lock X-Factors under certain players, types, and abilities for some weird reason. Like. Hmm? I said that's bullshit, by the way. You shouldn't. Yeah. Like, it's an offline mode. I don't understand why you're, like, restricting players in an offline mode. It makes like, no sense Like, I don't know why I can't me. equip my forwards with elite edges. Or, but I, but God forbid I can give a defenseman, um, like, skill up. Or stuff like that. Like, it, to me, it makes no sense. Mm. Either give us everything or take everything out. I know, like, the whole thing was like, oh, it's a marketing gimmick for 22. But it's been two iterations of the game. You need to add something into there. And there's another thing that pisses me off with the AI in NHL, just in general. 
whenever that puck just exits the blue line, it's going to be an offside, and the defensive picks it up 99 times out of 100, they're going to skate offside. immediately right into the zone. It's going to be an offside. Pisses me off. I think the shortcomings for the video game, along with the NHL falling flat on their face this season or this calendar year in a lot of ways, it has led us to the point of just being like, it's kind of tough to have a hockey podcast because in a way when talking about real hockey, so much of it has ended up being negative this season and that's mentally exhausting. Um, and then the, the positives have been few and far between, or they're overly reactionary, right? Where it's like, okay, what NHL wise, what can we talk about right now? We can talk about how the Canucks are the first Canadian team to be atop the NHL standings by points, not by points percentage. And there's a big difference, but the top of the NHL, well, it's true. The Rangers were ahead of them on points percentage, and that matters when there's a gap in games played. Uh, but the Canucks were the first team since 2005 when Ottawa was atop the league at Christmas. Holy That's shit. a pretty big story. That is. But at the same time, Canada it's December. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, it's December, and me personally, I, I don't live and die off of every regular season game anymore as a hockey fan. I yeah. just don't like the Bruins lost four games in a row before beating the Sabres last night. And over the course of those four games, I'm just like, it's December, you know, and maybe that's just because I've been following a team that has pretty consistently made the playoffs throughout the course of my life. Maybe I'm just too spoiled right? As a hockey fan, let alone as a sports fan with everything that I've seen. But I don't live and die off the regular season anymore because my team's been consistent. My favorite team's been consistently good. Maybe I'd feel differently if I was a Canucks fan that's watched that team go through so much turmoil over the past decade plus. Like, it's been pretty well documented. They lose the 2011 Stanley Cup final and then immediately start screwing up the makeup of their team to get tougher you bring in John Tortorella, who, by the way, is hitting like 1,500 games or wins, not games, at this point. something like that. He's still around in the league. It's crazy, especially after asking the Sedin twins to be Patrice Bergeron, which, mm-hmm. shocker, that didn't work. Um, you know, for Canucks fans, hey, yeah, shit, they're a hell of a lot better than anybody expected. Nobody expected them to be this good. But at the same time, it's a league where the regular season only matters so much. You know, like it's true. Like it comes down to the playoff. And we saw that, right? I talked about, hey, we're going to mention the biggest stories. The most upvoted thing on r slash hockey this year on Reddit. The Boston Bruins have been eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs after losing to the Florida Panthers in seven games. That is the most upvoted thing at nearly 43,000 upvotes. The second highest is at 28.6. It is a league where playoffs are king. You know, you got to do well in the regular season to make it there. So it makes sense, obviously, uh, for teams who weren't expected to be, I would say, as good as they are. The Philadelphia Flyers are currently third place in the Metro Division. Flyers fans should be pumped. 
Uh, Vancouver's leading the Pacific. The Arizona Coyotes and Nashville Predators at the season ended today uh, are currently in those two playoff spots, the two wildcard spots in the Western Conference. But at the end of the day, it's, it is playoffs that matters. And if you're rooting for a team like the Leafs, like the Panthers, like the Rangers, the Colorado Avalanche, who are apparently in turmoil, even though they're in first place right now, um, the playoffs are what matter. And then on the flip side, if you're a fan of a team that sucks, the San Jose Sharks, you can enjoy this regular season for the bright spots of William Eklund and whoever else. But at the end of the day, the regular season, you're almost just waiting for it to be over because the interest is on what's going to happen with this draft lottery. Mm, or yeah. Where are we going to end up? You know, you look at this upcoming draft with Macklin Celebrini, who um, is insane. He is phenomenal. He is off to a great start at the World Juniors. Admittedly, a tournament that none of us are following all that closely just due to time restraints. Shout out to Germany beating Finland for the first time ever. They were 0-25 previously. But I think I'm the only person following um, the World Junior Classic, uh, World Junior Championship, even called the Classic, uh, because TSN, as a former TSN employee, um, they shoved this down people's throats in Canada. You cannot go anywhere in Toronto, at least, or anywhere in Canada, basically, without hearing something about the World Juniors. I mean, I'm almost so kind of biased because, you know, Ty Nelson got nominated to go onto the team after two players ended up not being able to make it because they were sick because of sickness. So right. that's the reason why I'm watching and he's having a pretty good tournament already. So, yeah. yeah. But besides from that, like, I don't really see a lot of people really caring about it outside of Canada. It's kind of just like a whole patriotism thing where it's like, yeah, my country is going to go do good and bad. And then you have you know like the bubble teams, like when you have bubble teams like Latvia, Germany and other countries that are just kind of like, we're, we're glad to be here. Like it's a good mm-hmm. experience for these kids to go up. And then you have idiots on Twitter basically being like, oh, wow, like they're they're only here just because of that. Like they shouldn't even be here at all. Like cut down the amount of teams that are available every year. So it's a scheme of like six, eight teams that are there. I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't help because it's a relegation promotion system in the world junior. Like, uh, like not economy, but like, you know what I mean? The whole system promotes a promotion and relegation. So two teams go down and the two teams come back up. There's a reason right now why the world junior hype is low. One, it's in Sweden. So the time yep. zone difference compared to last year when it was in uh, Atlantic Canada. Yeah. And it's in the group stage. People care about playoffs. People care about, okay, what is this leading to? You know, you can look now at, at the games that have happened so far. I mentioned uh, Sharks fans having their eyes on Macklin Celebrini. This is a 17-year-old kid. He does not turn 18 until June. 17 years old, has 25 points in 15 games for Boston University this season, and is currently leading the World Juniors with six points in two games. No shit. A lot of Sharks fans, a lot of Hawks fans, granted Hawks fans are enjoying Connor Bedard, had an overtime yeah. winner, scored a Michigan. Uh, so did Trevor Zegras on the same night, by the way, which was, was pretty, pretty funny. Awesome. Um, it actually led to Scroopy having a question of who do you think will be the next NHL to score a Michigan? Literally... <laughs> Fair. No, he's My tried answer? it a few times this season. Yeah. Yeah, he he's done it before. That's why he's such a legend in Finland because he did it in like this, like God, twenty eleven. 
at yeah. at I think it was one of the tournaments, either World Cup or maybe it was World Juniors at the time. I don't know. But yeah, Probably he did he did it pulled a Michigan off, I believe, in one of those tournaments. To that point, literally anybody, because it is becoming so commonplace now. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, a I thing think... ten years ago. And now you see Zegras, Bradard, Svechnikov, like all of these other younger guys that are able to attempt it and pull it off somewhat consistently. Uh, it could literally be just about anybody. I don't think it'll be yeah. Eric Goodbranson, but then again, it could be because two guys did it. <laughs> <laughs> these guys have the talent to do it. Exactly. It's just most players are told, yeah, that's that's not your that's not your role. So don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's just the way hockey works. But to all of that, whether it be talking about the world junior and why interest seems to be down, which again right now it's group stage. The NHL not being overly reactionary in the regular season, it's because of playoff based league. So you have that I don't want to say disinterest because I'll I'll be watching you know, more of the world junior as a, as it continues on, I'll be still watching throughout the NHL season. You know, there were some interesting games last night. The penguins absolutely fucking pooped on the Islanders. Chris Letang became the first defenseman in NHL history with five points in a single period. Like he was insane. And every penguins fans like, Oh my God, the sky's falling. And maybe it is, but they're also three points out of the playoff spot. And it's not even January. They got plenty of time to turn it around. It's just been Crosby a weird a year. Point. Mm. I'd say I'd say it's just been a weird year, right? Like the NHL trying to kind of look, but you got to kind of put blinders on to just focus on the games and the standings. And that's been more difficult for us as content creators based on the EA NHL franchise. It's been a rough year. So it's been an interesting time. I think is the best way to put it to be like, yeah, hockey and hockey fandom is fun and hasn't always been the easiest throughout 2023. Um, And I know I went on a big tangent there because I wasn't going to. So I did. There you Um, go. But to bring it back to NHL 24 really quickly, you, you guys mentioned be a pro. You can look through almost every aspect of this game. And I don't think you're going to find people who are necessarily happy. Um, While sin and I, for the most part are big on the gameplay changes. um, Obviously any changes to the gameplay is going to be met with controversial takes because especially like from a competitive standpoint, not even a competitive standpoint, even if it's just someone who doesn't play um, in money leagues, if you're good at EASHL, and they make changes, you're going to be mad because that can affect your standing and your skill level because you have to adapt. Yeah, That's yeah. just the way it works. With any game that is competitive online, if you change something, people will complain. That's just the way it works. Um, the Ultimate Team community, I know, is unhappy with content being spaced out the way it is because if you don't have hut moments to do or special cards to try and pack... What really is there in that mode? You got to kind of get pretty creative and it can be difficult to be creative at this point when ultimate team has been around for over a decade. And it's like, Hmm, what hasn't been done before? Yeah. Difficult to come up with something at this point, just based on the limitations of the mode, just like it's difficult to come up with something 
for franchise mode and all of franchise modes shortcomings uh roster hey, what wise about Hot rush what about uh uh threes threes arcade threes a limb you know the threes mode that uh-huh. hasn't had any sort of variation since it was brought in in nhl what 18 threes now three circuit yeah i think ea forgot about three circuit i didn't forget ea i didn't forget how about everyone's favorite mode ones now with the same players are in there oh my god it's it's hilarious okay the one innovation i'm surprised they didn't do not even innovation just a feature they remat they remodeled uh world of chow with the store and different ways to play and all that with the quick play but they didn't add a one's custom lobby how hmm. simple is that it is so simple to add a one's custom lobby I mean, it's probably complex because, you know, game development and programming and all that. But the idea of not being able to invite your friends to a ones lobby to shoot around and for shits and giggles while you're waiting for people to get online or just to have like a custom tournament like that. I know guys like Perelzi are dying to have stuff like that in their content and to, to put content out like that. I said that I would run like a like a five hundred dollar tournament for ones a limb just because it would be that cool to have an event like that. It, it opens mm. up other ideas for content. And just, I don't know why they're not doing it. Even something as simple as that. Maybe because that's like, you know, near and dear to my heart. Because I was like, hey, that'd be a cool idea to do. I'm kind of more, you know, opinionated on it. But still, like, you need to give people more options to play these game modes rather than have them there at all. It just seems like they kind of went, we have a whole bunch of stuff in here. We have all these modes to play, but we're not going to dive deep into it. I think the best way to put it is this game. Uh, someone says this about Starfield. It's that the game is the game's a, a beautiful ocean, but like it's like this deep. There's no depth mm. to it. There's no depth at all. I would rather them have fewer game modes, but have them be super deep and detailed instead mm-hmm. of basically basically I'd rather them have a deep end instead of a shallow end. Because that's what yeah. it feels like we're playing with with NHL twenty four or NHL for the past couple years. You can't even like set custom rules. Like, if we did a private sixes lobby, can we change sliders? Mm-hmm. Can we, you know, I th- that would be awesome. Like, six I don't know. six, all penalties are a penalty shot. Or change overtime rules. Like, there's exactly. so much untapped potential just in the existing game modes. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and don't this, know, man. This is where we've been stuck. With this loop, I think, as hockey fans, we talk about the real life NHL. We talk about the video game and its shortcomings, and it just kind of leaves you in a eh, kind of space, right? You know, NHL 24, I think, especially is a game that a lot of people got their, their hopes up for. You know, on one hand, you want to try to view it as like, okay, good, good step in the right direction, but at the same time, it it, it needed to be more than just a, a step in the right direction. I think the expectation was it needed to be a couple of steps, and it's not. Like Endo said, the you know most of the modes are shallow. Even Ultimate Team's a bit shallow, so it just leads oh you God. to having to rack your brain of like, huh, how do I make this interesting? 
that gets to be exhausting. And that's when people are just like, man, I'm I'm done. And they move on to something else. Yeah. The amount of people on my hockey team alone who have been like, man, I really hate the new game because of only because of the control changes and all that stuff. And, you know, having to basically rebalance everything. Um, But just the they don't they're not like invested like you know like we are as people who want to be uh, as content creators and want to be content creator um it, it's it's not the same type of look at it you know um we're thinking of stuff from a content uh content standpoint but also they're trying to cater to the casual audience and they've lost that casual audience for at least a decade now i mean a lot of ca- casual players love the fact that uh, you know um uh, what's it called be a GM connected was in the game and now it's like oh we'll tackle GM connected but we'll call it something there like connected franchise it's like it's the same it's the same shit like we know exactly what you mean but in that respect they've, they've lost that audience they're losing the competitive player of the audience because they're making a lot of changes that you know people feel like they don't really know what they're doing people are blaming content creators for being like oh you're a game changer you're a design council member you're not doing anything where it's like you can only say so much to certain people until, you know, th- th- one of the biggest things working with a, with a giant IP like, you know, the NHL and the NHLPA is that, let's say, for example, you have a giant pitch for idea or game mode and they say, we have the likeness of all these things. We don't want you to do that. And they say, no, you can't do that feature. You can't do anything. There are stories about in the original NHL games like they took out blood from NHL 93 because the NHLPA was like, we don't want blood in our game. Or we don't want like jersey tugs for certain players in the game because we don't approve of that. And then it basically it goes rinse and repeat of what can go in and what can't go in. And it's like almost as if, you know, the bigger the IP, the more responsibilities many people watching over you, the less opportunity you have to be creative because you have so many people blocking your path. And so um, that's one of the things I was really interested with because Mike, one of the creative directors, worked on, you know, punch out. And it worked on Super Mario Strikers. And that's stuff that, you know, Nintendo legitimately was like, we're very hands off. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. As long as you follow these strict guidelines for the for player models. Like they have like the cross chop in Super Mario Strikers. They, they legit have a cross chop in there. And, and Nintendo's like, yeah, go ahead, go for it. Like it, it, it's it was one thing for me to see like, oh, how is he going to be able to manage, you know, in his first year as the big head honcho about what he can and can't do. And I'm assuming he's probably pissed off at certain things that he can and can't do. Mm-hmm. <sighs> There's my rant. That's my tangent. <laughs> I know we kind of went all over the place there, but it, I feel like perfectly kind of encapsulates where we're at at the end of this year. Um, you know, and like I said, in regards to, Hey, we are a hockey podcast primarily. And that has been a difficult thing to be over the last little bit. Right. Is there anything, Sin, I'll check with you first, in regards to the game or anything that was mentioned? <laughs> well, we've had Endo's mom on the show. Now we've had Endo's da. Um, da? That's yes. That's, I know that's it Polina's is. dad. I know. <laughs> Papa. Twas twas joke, sir. Twas joke. I don't I I'm autistic. I can't take jokes. Um I am. Sin, was there anything else to add in regards to I know we, we covered a lot there. <laughs> was there anything else game wise <laughs> or whatever that you're like, yeah, I wanted to mention this. 
Not really. I mean, I've I'm tired of mentioning things because nothing ever gets done about them. <laughs> I should just turn my channel into just bitching about EA and NHL. I'd probably do well, but <laughs> uh, that's what I've done. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. It's also like I try not to just only put out negative energy. That just doesn't feel good for me. So I don't know. Same. I I am just very stuck in in what my content creation is going to be and uh yeah happy holidays (laughs) (laughs) i mean i had a great holiday man and then everything ends and i'm like oh shit what am i gonna do for videos i mean for any good news i played be a pro today and i played nhl probably for the first time in like a month and i legitimately had a good experience yeah, I'm sure I would, but I'm I'm enjoying another other games right now. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm right. just like these are a lot of fun. Yeah, like I said, I mean for me, like I found ways to enjoy NHL 24. You know, I've been using Snipe and Scores 1999 2000 build on stream, and that's always fun. I mean, it's essentially um, trying to replicate what better games do. Uh, NBA 2K and their you know, their retro franchise and being able to play in any era and then move up, except, you know, you get four years worth of draft picks and then it's right back to generated players. You can't add in expansion franchises. So, it's you know, you don't get the fun of like, oh, shit, here comes Minnesota. Yeah, they're expand. you know, so, I mean, it's uh, it just always leaves you wanting more. But with that, we will get a viewer question here because we are looking back on the year that was and I don't think there was any better way for us to describe the year that was for the first half an hour of this show is just being like eh, the NHL kind of sucks eh, kind of sucks because that's what the year has been for the most part but this question comes from Unbouncy McBoink Boink looking back on 2023 what's one thing that you're proud of and one thing that you wish you did differently that is a loaded, loaded question. Um, God, who wants to go first on this one? Um, one thing I'm proud of. It's not that I'm. I don't know if you can call it like being proud of it. Uh, <laughs> I guess like because that sounds weird. I'm proud of getting a girlfriend. I'm happy, but like. Congrats. Not like I've had issues, you fuckers. Um, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I don't know. Like, I guess proud of maintaining a long-distance relationship mm. and proud of, that is how something far to be proud of. I've, how far I've come as a person to be to be not only be able to do that, but do it successfully and, and other things like that. Mm. And, yeah, takes a lot of, you know, self-growth and being comfortable in yourself and having immense amount of trust for another person yeah. and whatnot. And a lot and of endurance. Sure. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, I've lost my train of thought. That's okay. That's all right. That's what Endo's here for is to just derail things when he sees. <laughs> um, well, Zen. You know, yeah, no, screw it. Well, 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 one thing that you wish you did differently 
<laughs> hmm. Stepped away from EA NHL content at the beginning of this year. Yeah, I know, right? I don't know. We'll come back. I don't have too many regrets, honestly. That's a good thing. That's a good thing, though. You don't don't necessarily... I mean, it could be something as simple as like, ah, shoulda... Shoulda bought that thing. Like... It could be as simple as ah should have should have eaten more apples. Twenty twenty three could have been the year of the apple. Mm. Yeah. Endo, what's one thing you're proud of, homie? Um, that's a good question. Um, man, can I talk about the negative thing first? <laughs> bah humbug, you go right ahead. <laughs> um, the one thing that I wish I did better was um looking for a place earlier um because a lot of stuff didn't line up the way we thought it was going to and the uh, housing market sucks in october in uh, fucking august i think we lost him <laughs> <laughs> okay i thought he was just paused i was like I yeah thought he was me too i thought he was just distance. uh i thought he was being dramatic <laughs> yeah like, no he just he just bounced froze and oh bounced. god uh maybe his papa tripped over a wire <laughs> we're gonna keep it going until we hear from him as to what's going on um for me in terms of like the the what i'd be proud of type of thing um i mean bouncy specifically mentioned like we'll admit toogie getting married which is true which happened and is great um i will say though we got to go to finland i mean sin you went three times this year i got to go twice um, you know, in February, you know, the sports gamer, we were a part of a, a larger convention type of deal, which was an amazing yeah. experience. And uh, both times, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, both times my wife got to go with me on these trips this year, which was cool, right? Um, because if you think about it, Ooh. like what started for us is like, ah, yes, we're sitting in our offices slash bedrooms at times um commentating over a video game and it leads to oh cool like i get to bring my wife to a to europe to a foreign country because i talk over video games like that you know it's pretty damn cool and then obviously like that ties in for sin side of things too like you know we sit here and yell over video games and it's like oh cool you you met someone in a foreign country over that which is just awesome so i mean there, there's a lot of things right because i was thinking about that too in terms of 2023 and it's like would i describe this as like the best year of my life and it's like i probably would so i mean there's not too much in terms of regrets or things i would do differently um, it just hasn't been that type of year, really. Like, it wouldn't be, <clears throat> as my voice is just not having it. it. Might be coming down with a cold at the end of the year. We shall see. It should be fun. Um, it just hasn't. It hasn't been that type of year for regrets, really. Hum- humble brag, I suppose. I-, I think it would be something relatively minor at this stage but also yeah. while this was such a busy year it also has been such a blur to be like oh 
2024 is just a few days away. Like, it's still really weird to to think of it in that way. So we'll see if we can get Endo back here and reconvene in a moment. All right. Well, we have lost one Endo Mills internet outage. Our boys down and out. But of course, while I still call him Endo Mills because of his old title, Endurance M on Twitter, on Twitch. Check our boy out, of course, as you do. Uh, but Sin and I are still here, and we are going to kind of go over some of the the top stories of the year uh, as, as decided by the most upvoted topics on the r slash hockey uh, Reddit over the past year. And I mentioned number one earlier on, Sin, the most liked post... The Bruins losing to the Florida Panthers in the first round. Mm. And, you know, I think that's a part of why I have the attitude that I do this year in regards to the Bruins. And I'm like, it's all about the playoffs is because they had the greatest regular season of all time. And it didn't matter. Very EA NHL in that way, isn't it? You can do whatever the hell you want in the regular season. You can have this great team. You can have legends like Patrice Bergeron, a future hockey Hall of Famer, and then David Krejci, who will have an outside option or an outside conversation in regards to that topic. And at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter, right? Like, it all comes down to what happens in the playoffs. And, I mean, this was just the start of the run for the Florida Panthers. And as they went further and further in the playoffs, it was less of a a sore spot, so to speak. Um, but that's been, you know, one of the biggest stories this year, no doubt, is the Bruins after, what was it, 65 wins in the regular season, losing in seven, losing that seventh game on home ice, no less. Uh, yeah. tough, tough pill to swallow, tough pill for any team or any fan base to deal with. Yeah, I mean, just, and the fact, that the, I don't know if you, the fucking blowing a, Three one series lead too. Uh <sighs> and just the manner in which they lost. Like it it wasn't Bruins hockey. They weren't playing Bruins hockey, in my opinion. They were so sloppy with the puck. They were yeah. just like trying to be way too cute on transitions, especially. And that's legit how Florida beats teams is by forcing turnovers, forcing mistakes. And then capitalizing on them. And the Bruins were just like, I'm going to throw this blind pass behind me before I cross our own blue line and <sighs> send it to the middle. And, and then the coaching decision to try to stick with Olmark when he was clearly not on his game. And then, as we found out, injured, which is even more of a what the hell. Like, you mm -hmm. can't do that. And, and the fact of the matter, it's like, I can understand if you had like a, a shit goalie, but you had Jeremy Swayman who was really good and is mm -hmm. really good and got thrown in there for one game. Yeah. Was it even a yep. full game or did Omar get yanked or was it a full game seven? Um, He started remember. the full game seven. That's still injury. Let's throw in the guy who hasn't played yet into a game seven situation. Yeah, he um he yeah, Swayman appeared in two playoff games, started one of them, uh, which was game seven, and he ended up losing. And it wasn't uh the stat line would say, oh, it wasn't his best game, but you 
you look back at that game seven and for those that watched it you'll know it's like yeah the team around him kind of let him down a little bit and even then if swayman does have a bad game like you said he he sat for the first five games of the series when the bruins key to success was the same as it is this year and it's rotating out two of the Mm -hmm. best goaltenders in the league consistently and they got away from that and even more puzzlingly so they got away from it when one had an injury that was clearly affecting his play. Um, it just brings me back to that talking point of the regular season. It doesn't matter if you get it that wrong in the playoffs and yeah. they did, they got it completely wrong. And I mean, you know, even this season, you look at their goaltending, um, the Bruins have, uh, literally split down the middle between these two teams. Swayman started 17 games. All has started 16. You have yeah. Swayman on a nine twenty nine, all Mark on a nine 14. Both are under a three goals against average. Swayman's is actually a two seventeen. Um, It's working again, but you got to get it right in the playoffs. And they didn't. And that brings us to our second talking point, because even if you get it right in the playoffs once, does it matter? If you get it wrong in the next round, because when the is Toronto, t- sorry, ahead. no, continue. Finish the your Toronto point, Maple no. Leafs won their first playoff series since 2004 in the first round against the Tampa Bay Lightning, only to then lose in five games to the Florida Panthers, <laughs> making it feel like, well, did it even happen at all? When is a team going to be the first one to like rotate goalies in the playoffs and not because one had a bad game? Min- I, I believe question. I want to say Minnesota kind of did it, but it was stupid to do it because Flurry was awful. Yes. Yep. Him and Gustafson. Yeah, that was the first one. But I feel like if the team to do it would should be would be Boston or or something. Or maybe Vegas, even though Vegas doesn't have as good of goaltenders like I, you know, they split them very evenly down the middle until now Aiden Hill's injured, which is totally screwing my fantasy up because I have (laughs) him and Logan Thompson and it's been great so far. But yeah, because I I was like that. This is the poor man's Olmark and Swayman because they're going to be get up, get enough wins on. They'll be solid like they won't be Vesna, but they'll be solid. And yeah, I'm I'm waiting for like that change because. As you said, you know, everyone's, you know, you wait for the playoffs and the playoffs are the thing that matters. And it seems like a lot of teams throw out pieces of why they had success in the regular season out the window when it comes to the playoffs. And I'm kind of I'm kind of waiting for one team to be like, hey, let's rotate goalies. Let's Mm. you know, it's and it's not like going to be a and I don't know. Would a goalie be perturbed by that? I feel like they wouldn't. Like, they've been doing it all season. Why do they have to be the guy in the playoffs? Why can't they continue to be a duo in the playoffs? You're right, though. It's like you you get certain teams that get to the playoffs, and then they stray away from what worked because, well, you have to do things this way. And it's like, well, no, you you don't, though. Like, I understand at certain points, yeah, because, like, it's refed different, but, like, uh, that doesn't really apply to the goaltenders. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, there's certain things that you you change in. But I feel like those are eh, in some ways not as big as they're made out to be. Mm. Yeah, 
No, I think that's I think that's a fair way of looking at it for sure. Um in regards to the Leafs though, I feel sorry for that fan base in a sense that they are kind of right back where they were heading into the playoffs anyway. Except now, I think you could argue expectations are even higher because that team Which proved they could they proved that they could win around. And yeah. now that's the expectation. And what happens if they don't make it out of the first round this year? <laughs> Which Nothing. is, yeah, probably. But it is a possibility, right? Because of some of the problems that that team has had um, in regards to injuries this year. They've had quite a few. I mean, most notably has to be John Klingberg. But, you know, Mark Giordano is just getting back from injury. Joseph Wall is currently hurt. Their goaltending as a result has been uh, questionable. Ilya Samsonov, 14 games, a 3.79 goals against average and an 8.71 save percentage compared yeah. to Martin Jones, 9.14 in seven games, which is hilarious. Um, there's just still so much pressure on that team to deliver that. Again, it's like, I, then again, that, that pressure is probably always going to exist until they actually win the thing, right? Yeah. And even if they... Steve Dangles always joked that even if they win the thing, what's the first thing that you're going to see? Articles saying, here's why they won't win it next year. Uh-huh. So you just, you can't really win if you're that team. There's no, no such thing as winning because people are always waiting for the, the you know, the shoe to drop basically. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. They're, they're in a weird spot. I feel like this season anyway. Um, mm. I hate their defensive core. But, what do I mean, you mean? They, they now get to, you know, LTIR, Klingberg, and stuff like that. So we'll see what they do and move. I'm sure they'll make some okay moves, but like, holy crap, the offseason was not great. And Sin, like, what do you mean? Their defense of Morgan Riley and TJ Brody, Jake McCabe and Simon Benoit, Mark Giordano and Timothy Liljegren? You don't believe in that? <laughs> Yeah, it's and they're losing someone next year. You got you feel like they should, right? <laughs> like one of the big the core five. I'm not going to say core four because it's disrespectful to Morgan Riley. I'm sorry. Saying core four is so disrespectful to Morgan Riley. He is really good. And I don't know why he doesn't get more praise because he's really good. I don't know either, and he's been there for such a long time now. At this like point. I picked him up in my fantasy draft, around, like at one fifty. I was <laughs> like, "How is Morgan Riley still here?" <laughs> he's been fantastic. OFD, no I think he'd put up a lot of points. Yeah, he puts up a fair scenario. amount of points, like and shots, and he hits and blocks like, occasionally too. He's not like you know one of those big guys, but like you know, I always pick up someone like that. Like I don't know, man. It's it's a little weird mm. that he. Continues to be, in my opinion, pretty uh, underrated. Now, obviously, one of the other big talking points was something that we've discussed to death and has been a big part of the reason as to why this has been such a negative year. We're not going to talk about it again. We are going to talk about this quote from this past May. The NHL doesn't know how how to market like McDavid. He's the number one hockey player in the world. Why doesn't he have commercials everywhere? Hmm. Sin, do you recall who that quote is from? 
Me? <laughs> I feel like that's something <laughs> I would say. I don't I don't know. Who is that from? Snoop Dogg. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> he was gonna like buy the senators or some shit. Better option for commissioner. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Who seems to get it compared to the actual uh, people in charge of the NHL. Yeah. Um, Tremendous. The NHL is basically just like a political association when you think about it. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know who's even in their marketing department. But they're terrible at their fucking jobs. Or they're not being allowed to succeed. And I'm not sure yeah. which is worse. Honestly, it's probably that. Like, anyone who gets hired to be a marketer has to know what they're doing. Mm. Like, to a point where, like, that's your whole job. There's right. no way that they're this incompetent. It has to be what you're saying is that the fucking, the, the big dogs are are telling them what they can and can't do, essentially, which is so stupid. And that's essentially what the NHL is, is in a nutshell. And I was gonna, I, I was gonna bring this up in the last one, but now seems a good enough time to do it. Is that that bleeds down? There's a whole, there's a whole like pyramid of this, and the way it bleeds down into everything. To where as fans, none of us know what the fuck's going on ever. Mm. And the reason for that is because there's this tight lip policy from top all the way to the bottom. And the messed up part is, is it's just followed by everyone unquestioningly because maybe they have some stuff on the line, like. I'll, my my example that I'm going to go into now is when it comes to sports journalism, particularly in the NHL, but sports journalism everywhere. We need to stop calling it journalism because unless you're Rick Westhead or Katie Strang, you're not mm. practicing journalism because mm. what you're doing is taking an official team statement and just repeating it. Right. That's all you're doing. That And that isn't journalism. Journalism is about seeing something, investigating, going to sources and 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 then saying it and not caring that an organization says no you can't say this or something. Like it's so weird and this and and I really started thinking about this during when the Corey Perry stuff went down. By the way, we none of us still know what's going on, right? With Correct. Corey Perry. Correct. He's just gone. He's just yep. gone. We don't know why. We don't know if it was something illegal. We may have found out eventually, but even then, maybe not. Mm. Um, and all I see from every single Chicago reporter is parroting the official team statement and getting and then getting mad at people who are memeing about it and taking this holier than thou attitude that this is so wrong of you to do to make this joke. And how dare you? Meanwhile, these are the same people who sat on their hands while all the Kyle Beach stuff uh, went down and waited until it seemed politically safe for them to where they may not lose access or whatever to actually voice something about it. But they're, they're, what their job should be, where is a journalist who went, hmm, this seems fishy, what aren't we knowing? And then figuring that shit out within the realms of legality. And guess what? You're protected by the First Amendment. You have a big big cushion for yourself to figure these things out and not be able to be sued for for defamation and things like that as long as you're reporting facts and things like that of what you find out 
or at least try. Like, I don't know, but it's everyone seemed content with, we will never know. And I think that's ridiculous considering what organization was surrounding that. And here, here we go. Now back flashback to, was it Ian Kennedy who asked the question, what are you doing? Uh, Mark Lazarus. Mark Lazarus. Okay. Who said, what are you, what are you doing to change the thing? And was basically told to sit down and shut up. And then everyone who says, oh, well, it's not the same owner. It was the son. Well, what's the son doing? He tried to speak and then his old man shut him down. Sure. But but now now here's another thing. Now here's here's a thing and he's doing the same thing his old man was doing. So I don't care what he was going to say in that moment of here's what we're going to change. You haven't fucking changed anything. And the journalists around are just, you know, just doing what they typically do and not not being a journalist you're you're basically an extension of the team's pr with what you're doing that's 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 what every single sports journalist is right now they are an extension of the team's pr arm and then so much of it too like you know it's funny because you know you're talking about the you know like the, the big news of the year it's like all right Connor bedard ends up as a hawk rocky words passes away danny words takes over and then like you said yeah it just feels like with the Corey perry situation it's like we talked about it at the time. There was still a way to protect the privacy of individuals mm-hmm. involved while still providing enough clarity as to not leaving people in the dark as to what the hell happened. Right. Yeah. There was a way to do that. And then, like you said, journalists just don't really uh, journalists just don't really touch it mm-hmm. because the new thing to do whenever you are in trouble is to just hunker down. And then wait for the next headline to pop up and then just try to never mention it again. And then, of course, Mark Lazarus poked them on that and they didn't like it very much. Um, And another aspect of the state of journalism in sports is that everyone tries to be first. And that's most important than being Mm -hmm. right is everyone trying to be first. And we saw it with the Shohei Otani to the Blue Jays thing. Where it's like, he's on a plane, he's going to Toronto. Oh, no, he was he was never actually on a plane. And yeah. sorry, he's a Dodger. Like, how many times has that happened? I feel like this year it has gotten significantly worse, where it is about being first. It is not mm-hmm. about taking your time with the facts. It is about we need our my Twitter account needs to be the one that's being circulated. Our publication needs to be the one whose article is getting retweeted the most. And to hell with the consequences, to hell with the facts, we can always correct later as long as we are the ones uh, being cited as the lead on this. Yep. Frank Cervalli, LeBanks on waivers. He was never fucking on waivers. My my source says. And then then the thing that pisses me off is they don't go back and correct it. They don't ever make amends to it. They just start tweeting the next thing. Like they... Yeah, it's it's very rare where you'll see someone actually address that they were wrong. Maybe on the Otani thing, that guy addressed because he was so big, he had to say something. Right. But like, yeah, I've seen so many times where these insiders tweet out something that turns out to be completely wrong and something that was never, ever happening in the first place, like not even a rumor of it happening. And then they just they don't say anything. They don't say, oh, fuck, my source was wrong. I'm sorry for tweeting that. Like you have you, you have a responsibility. Like people are legit trusting you to be someone with good information. And Mm. so therefore you have a responsibility when you put up bad information to own that. Like that's the whole point. That's the ethics of the job. Like I, 
I, I, I, I don't, I don't know how much it's changed. Maybe they teach it differently. But when I did journal, I minored in journalism in college for for some fucking reason. And <laughs> that's the thing that's getting me is that everything that I learned, none of it is applied in sports journalism. Mm. Zero of it, like. And and even in in regular journal journalism too, like it's there's some pretty bad shit. Very very, you know, like using purposefully neutral language in a situation where it does harm. That's not being a journalist, like you know, to you like to use neutral language in a situation, like for example, um, you know, <laughs> one dead uh, after like you know, during shooting with cops present or something, right. but it's like a cop shoots a guy. Like you can fucking say a cop shot someone and the guy died, but like, yeah. but like, it's this weird neutral language of person now dead after from, from bullet wounds when mm-hmm. officers were there. Like, you know what I mean? It's just that that's mm-hmm. not neutral language. That's actually, hard. Uh, it's anyway. Well, no, I mean, you're right. It's a part of an encompassing issue, right? And that mm-hmm. that has been the biggest thing in regards to hockey is for as much as morons try to claim, oh, keep politics out of sports. What is going on in the world affects sports. It always has. It always will. That is just a fact. And at the end of the day, the only time people complain is when it doesn't line up with their personal politics, right? And people can say that either way. You know, whether it's I like the anthem before games, I don't. I like military and police appreciation nights. I don't. I like pride nights. I don't. And that's been the thing, right, is it's affected all sports. You know, you talked about the journalism thing with baseball. I mentioned the Shohei Otani thing. Um, It's been a thing in all sports. Baseball, though, especially seems to have been up there. Shout out to Arson Judge going to the Giants. Um, It's just been, okay. whether it's the standard of journalism, whether it is the further politicizing of the LGBTQ plus community, especially trans people and how that has affected hockey. Because let's be honest when it was just gay people, pride nights were fine. But then when it became more about trans rights, that's when it became a problem this year, especially. Well, yeah. And, and it's, it's because that it was always part of it. Like that was, right. but then, but then people were told to be mad at that. All yep. of a sudden it became, the political hot topic in the country therefore bled into the sport when pride yep. was mentioned then people connected to oh wait that means these trans people who i've been told to be afraid of who i've been told are gonna take are, are transitioning just to succeed at sports and shit like that which is the most mm-hmm. ludicrous fucking thing i've heard um but what what can you expect from people who have their own head up their ass and they don't i think yeah. that's a part they're of fucking the cowards they're just scared of everything that's the part of the exhaustion. I, I think we finally boiled it down to the root element that we've been trying to boil it down to all year long. The reason why I am exhausted with hockey and not enjoying it as much anymore is because I was already exhausted with news coverage and with the bullshit going on that, of course, has bled into the sport that has yeah. made it more difficult to enjoy. That is what it is. All the political bullshit that is going on in regards to just not letting fucking people be people has of course bled into sports because that's what politics do. So it has made hockey just as exhausting as watching the fucking news. That's what it is for me. Yeah. 
And that's why we're kind of in this spot of God. Sometimes it's like, oh, cool. What's the big topic of the the past couple days or the past week? Oh, good. It's nothing fun. Not just like, oh, like our next talking point was going to be uh, Bruce Boudreaux um, saying goodbye to the Vancouver Canucks 11 months ago uh, in January. And obviously at the time that was a big thing, but now over the past year, shit turns out that worked out pretty well to move on from Bruce Boudreaux. Apparently um, it's not just like that type of negative of like, ah, oh, you feel bad for a, a genuinely good dude who was kind of hung out to dry by ownership which, by the way, you notice how Canucks fans don't give a shit now because the team's winning. So mm-hmm. fuck Bruce, we're winning. But of course, that, that's what it would be for any other team. That's not just a Vancouver fan base thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and don't worry, they're they're busy yelling at Bo Horvat because he said Vancouver wasn't a nice place to play last year, which every Canucks fan said too because that team sucked. Um, but again, that yeah, would be but don't say that now where yeah. well they're enjoying themselves. <sighs> the fickle nature of sports. Yeah. That's another part of why things are fucking exhausting, I would say. Everyone's a but reactionary these days. I'm glad after a year of having to debate the the Pride Night thing and everything like that, that yeah, I think we've finally been able to boil it down to a point where I can just say, like, okay, it's been, like, uh, following the NHL a lot of the times feels like watching the news on a nightly basis, and watching the news on a nightly basis can be goddamn depressing. Which is why yeah, I don't, I, don't I just simply don't watch the news. I get exactly. mo- like, yeah, I sometimes I don't even know about stuff till Anna tells me because she'll tell me because she, she watches the news in Finland because the news in Finland is actually news. Yeah, they're just like, hey, here's what's happening. You know, think, think for yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of the God, a lot of the news that I like, I'll be honest, like I, I I'll watch like a Philip DeFranco show every once in a while. I don't even know who that is. Fair enough. He he's had a news show on YouTube for ah. ten plus years, um, and yeah, like that. That's about it, right? Unless it's like a super big topic. But in terms of like the the smaller squabbles over pointless bullshit, it's like I just don't have time for it. And I think again that translates into the NHL being what it is type of thing. Um, what else? Unless you had anything else to add in regards to that. Yeah, in regards to, you know, news and, and uh, you know, journalists reporting things. Um, you cannot die from touching fentanyl, okay? Everyone remember that. <laughs> you cannot overdose from coming into epidermal contact with fentanyl. So the next time you see a local news stating telling that police officers have overdosed from touching fentanyl, just remember it's not possible and you're being fed bullshit. Oh, goodness. Fun, fun. Um, in regards to other hockey stories from this year, you know, we talked about the fact that the World Juniors are going on, the Spengler Cup as well. Um, fun tournaments to watch that aren't directly NHL involved. Uh, this year was a big, big year uh, with the IIHF World Championships, uh, which were held in Finland and Latvia. Won by Canada. Germany, the runner-up medal, but third place was Latvia. And that entire country went fucking nuts. Yeah, that was And that was one of the times this year that it was fun to talk about hockey, is to see a super small nation celebrating a tournament that most people in North America couldn't give a shit about. To show you, like, oh, okay, that, you know, actual underdog stories, not 
you know, uh, the Vancouver, like the Vancouver Canucks aren't an underdog story. No, <laughs> they're one of the richest franchises in the league that should be succeeding continually. Latvia meddling at the world championship, their first ever double IHF medal. That's yeah. an underdog story. Absolutely. Especially in the year that they were co-hosting the tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so. fantastic. Big shout out to Latvia. Um, looking through some of the and shout out to our buddy Daniels out there. Yes. Yes, indeed. Our good Latvian um, friend. <laughs> the only Latvian friend I have. <laughs> um God. Um again, in terms of this being a difficult and frustrating year, like um I'm scrolling down and you know, we're reminded of the Adam Johnson situation two months ago. Mm. Um you know, one of the biggest talking points in hockey this year. Um we obviously talked about that subject as much as we could. Obviously, we have seen some things change in regards to standard of player protection. The NHL still hasn't mandated anything. No, I don't think they will either at this point. We're two months gone. They're going to be pretty happy. I think that this conversation's out of the news cycle. I hope things change in the future. Like, it's probably not admittedly like a you know, snap your fingers and this this change is made type of thing. Like, it's got to be further negotiated with the PA. Um, but you just hope that that horrific situation does lead to further change beyond just the um, the EIHL in the UK where he was playing, beyond them making uh, neck guards mandatory, I believe, as of three days. The, the start of 2024 is when it is mandatory. Um, you hope you continue to see changes like that, yeah. but no doubt one of the uh, the biggest stories that happened to be out there this year. Um, God, there there was a lot, but I got to be honest, so many of the the upvoted topics were in regards to <laughs> the negative stuff. Um, we have the, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. There was one topic here in regards to the Penguins uh, who did not make the playoffs this past season. It was their first time since 2005-2006 that they failed uh, to make the playoffs. And I mentioned them earlier on in regards to where they are in the standings. Uh, if the season ended today, based off of points percentage, they would not make it. Mm -hmm. as they are three they points back of the Capitals who have a game at hand. Um, they are right in the middle of that wild card race between Pardon being in a playoff spot and being at the bottom of the league. The NHL app sucks. I can't like click on something to sort by that. You can only sort yeah, by Yeah, I points. think you can only do it on the desktop version Good. instead of the web app. God, your app sucks. <laughs> it's great. Anyway, it? yeah, you, you just you tell me where they are. Because I can't oh, do anything on God. my phone. They're not so bottom said, ten. Uh, yeah, they're close. They're fucking close. Right, but they're not. They so had a big win pick. over the Islanders last night, seven zero. The extra point was good, as uh, we joked about in chat last night. Um, they're in that super interesting spot where you know they get. It's just been so weird for Pittsburgh. You end up with Kyle Dubas as your GM. And, you know, the, the goal is simple to try and win one more time, at least uh, with Crosby, with Malkin, with Latang, who again had a great game last night. So 
Uh, it's definitely a team to keep an eye out on. And, you know, we've talked about that really all season long so far. Every single team, there is a story throughout uh, the league as to what's going on, what their hopes and expectations were. And we said it at the start of the year in our season preview. And especially now you look at the Eastern Conference. It's true. There are plenty of teams who are going to be incredibly disappointed at not making the playoffs because outside of God, no, I don't Philly. I think Philly was like the one team where you could say for sure fans were like, yeah, we're probably not making the playoffs and they're in a goddamn playoff spot right now. So yeah. it's uh it's a weird one. I'm, I'm watching Pittsburgh, not super carefully, but it matters because uh, we have their pick. Unless they're a bottom 10 team mm. or a top 10 pick team, then that pick goes to next year. And honestly, right. I'm cool with either of those scenarios simply because if they're bottom 10 this year, cool, we don't get the pick now. That's one yes year, year developing whoever we get. But next year, are they going to be much better? Considering everyone on that team, their core is going to be a year older. Crosby, right. Malkin, Latang, Carlson even. That Eric Carlson trade would end up looking pretty what, bad. What would happen if another Eric Carlson trade would turn a pick into a lottery pick? Like that guy would just be have the, you know, the curse stamp for the rest of his career, which. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, in terms of lottery picks, like this is a good year. Mm-hmm. 2024 to have a lottery pick. This is a pretty highly touted draft but then even 2025 uh there are names out michael there Misa. michael misa james Hagens, um quite a few other people that are in that mix that are doing well and any team i think would love to add via lottery pick in the upcoming year so i mean yeah. things are looking pretty good for the sharks in that regards, regardless of what the uh, outcome happens to be of the Carlson trade and what picks they get. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I feel like we've done a great job. Even I'm even loving the Meyer trade now. Like now that everything's falling into place, dude, like Zetterland is, he's looking pretty damn solid. Looking like Mm. he could be a really good, at least middle six goal scorer type who has a pretty big body. Uh, Okotiuk, um, jury's still out. I think he'd be a solid defenseman. I don't think he's going to be anything amazing, but Muka Madulin could be fucking spectacular. Mm. And plus, we got a pick. And yeah, could, up could even get another one if they make the conference finals this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, there the is second still, would turn into a first, but yeah. There's still <laughs> one conditional pick, a second round pick that could be a first this year. If the Devils make the conference finals, then there's also a seventh round pick. And again, the first round pick, they ended up uh, with forward Quinton Musty, who is good. who has 38 points in 20 games for the Sudbury Wolves this season in the <laughs> yeah, OHL. He's fucking good, dude. Well, <sighs> and last I knew, let me double check here for the Devils. Timo Meyer is currently on the Devils third line with yeah. Mike McLeod and Dawson Mercer. Yeah, he's uh, he's been a bit inconsistent, and he's being paid a pretty decent amount. Yeah, yeah, he is. But I hope the Devils figure it out. Just make the playoffs and then get to the conference finals, man. Give us another first. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, speaking of conference finals, another one of the bigger upvoted stories, the Carolina Hurricanes being <laughs> swept by the Florida Panthers. 0-12. <laughs> they are now 0-12 in their last three trips to the conference finals. <laughs> that's impressive, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so yeah. impressive. And this year, I don't know if they're even going to make it back. Their goaltending has been... <sighs> Monty Ranta put down through waivers. I mean, yeah, right now Carolina occupies the top wildcard spot in the East. Uh, but that is a team that you look at and say cup is the goal. Like there's mm. no like, Oh, we made the playoffs. That's pretty good. Like Philly would be able to do like Carolina. It is. Yeah. We, we are trying to win a Stanley cup here. Um, you don't splash the cash to bring in Dimitri Orloff. If you are, going to just be like oh yeah no playoffs are fine like no you were trying to win a stanley cup at the end of the yeah. day um time will tell if they do i mean they could you know they make the playoffs i give them just as good of a chance as anybody else but yeah to your point right now the goaltending this year for carolina 19 games for a peter kachetkov 899 save percentage yeah he's now on 14 games team. for auntie ranta 854 save percentage and Frederick Anderson six games he's been held to due to injury and he had an 894 in those six games all three of their goaltenders under a 900 that's crazy that's playing that's... behind a defense that includes Slavin Burns Shea Pesci Orloff and Jalen Chatfield that's so nuts man they got some things to figure out in Carolina hmm. um and I think I think that's about I mean, obviously, like, look, there's a lot to go over over the uh, the past year, especially. But I think we covered the biggest ones. I mean, maybe aside from the the sale of the Ottawa Senators. Um, but obviously, you kind of look past that now to say, well, there's a team that's at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. <laughs> and I think Sens fans are just trying to pretend that this hockey season hasn't particularly existed. Um, Bobby Hall passed away. Rest in piss. Um, (laughs) (laughs) backwatch. Oh God, there's a lot. I think it's it's interesting. I think it's something that people should do is kind of look back through the year that was because there is a lot, um, to remember and and go back Mm -hmm. on at, at this. Time of the, and again, like even when you get down towards like the, the middle range, like uh, the Arizona Coyotes not getting their new arena deal um, in Tempe, although it looks like they could land in a couple of different locations. But right as the team is starting to look kind of decent, like they're in the mix to potentially make the playoffs this year. They were down four nothing to the Avs last night and won five to four in overtime. Like they're a very scrappy they, they have that like scrappy hard-working team scrappy do um type of vibe to them so which often works out pretty well but it has been an interesting year in hockey it has been an exhausting year in hockey i guess we can mention that the vegas golden knights won their first ever stanley cup i guess Boo. Right? yeah before we wrap things up we're gonna do a little segment called trash trivia Ooh, yeah um basically i just want to see if you can guess some uh a couple things for the san jose sharks here 
Oh, because okay. they are the I'm last excited. place team. They are the trash team. We'll be talking about. Can you name the top five point scores on the San Jose Sharks right now in no particular order? <sighs> um, Mikhail Granlund. Okay. Uh, William Eklund. Okay. Zetterlund. Uh huh. Hurdle. Uh huh. Oh, fuck. That? He <laughs> actually got four out of four right now. Fuck. Who's the fifth one? Um, it can't be a defenseman, right? <laughs> no, it could, yeah. but it's not. I'll, I'll say that. Fuck. Uh, Duclair? Yes. You got hey! five out of five. Tomas Hurdle, 27 points. Granlin, 23, <laughs> who went like pointless for 10 games, by the way. Uh, Eklund has 16. Zetterlin is 15. Duclair is 13. <laughs> and he's in the top five. Okay. Now, just as a bonus. Oh, man. <laughs> Can you name the person with the most penalty minutes on the Sharks? <sighs> Jeff VL isn't on the team anymore. Is no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Holy shit. No, no, no. Um, it wouldn't be. It's not Henry Thrun. Um, God, who who the hell do you have? That would be a goon. Oh, that's a good a- a question to begin with. Is who the hell do you even have? Um, Christ, the penalty minute leader on the Sharks. Mm-hmm. Why do I feel like it's Hurdle? Just because he's probably out there all the time. <laughs> it's not. He doesn't take that many penalties. Fuck. He doesn't fight either. Dude, I'm having trouble even thinking of who's like in the. Is it LeBanc? No, no. no he's not even in the top five. It's Luke Cunning. Ah, I should have known. Because <laughs> he's fought like three or four times and he takes minors. Uh. Should have known. All right, one more one more bonus. Uh who do you think the uh who's got the highest face off win percentage on the team? Ooh, that's it's actually impressive this list. Highest face off win percentage. Now, okay, I, I have to I have to ask, is this one of those things where one of the guys has like five face offs, but he won all five? No, no, no. The I'm pretty sure NHL app has it. Yeah, and this guy's a center, so Okay. Um God, who the hell is he playing? William Eklund. No, he does he doesn't even play center. Balls. He'll take a couple face offs. No, it's Nico Sturm with sixty two point one percent. You know, I should have known that because he's always yeah, someone that I pitched to EA about for having underrated face. Yeah. Spots. And then Tomas Hurdle has a 56.3 and they're the only two above 50% on the team. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Now let's play. Let's play a good. <laughs> let's play yeah. my favorite game. What is their EA NHL face off? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess we'll see. I'm loading up the oh, game really no. quickly. Now, we talked about, like, my frustration. Okay. Endo mentioned. Like, the third, and we'll, we'll add this one in. The third place person is Mikhail Granlin. He has a 48.6, and I bet you he has a mm. better face-off rating than either Hurdle or Sturm. I'm, mm. I'm willing to guarantee We will it. see. Um, you know, Endo mentioned the amount of times that you can, like, yell at people to just be like, hey, man, what the hell? Um, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. Like, the whole Design Council Discord, like, I put it out there. Um all the time in regards to stuff like literally this morning, I mentioned like how the hell are Dougie Hamilton and Thomas Shabbat two way defensemen, not offensive defensemen. Um, I point out stuff like, hey, Casey Sezikis 
has uh, a 53% face-off winning percentage over the last two years. Why is his face-off rating a 77? Um, still fighting to improve those fucking rosters because they are. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm so excited for my custom rosters to be done in like two months. Uh, but that said, EA's most recent roster update, December 18th. Hmm. Sin for the win. If you had to guess, we will start off with Nico Sturm. Mm-hmm. What is Nico Sturm's face-off winning percentage? Now, a quick reminder. Oh, in the game, Nico not his Sturm, rating? Hmm? I thought I was guessing his rating in the game. Oh, no, I want his face-off attribute. Yeah, that, that, that's what I meant, his face-off yeah. attribute. Like, oh, because okay, you said win percentage, sorry. yeah. Oh, yeah. So Nico Sturm, his win percentage over the past three seasons, 53%. 55.8, and this season, as Sin mentioned, a 62.1. What is Nico Sturm's face-off number in the game? I'm going to say it's like an 80. 82. Oh, okay, that's not bad. It should be a bit higher, though. It should be much higher. <laughs> yeah. Like... Uh, here, really quickly, let me, because uh, I have my uh, my Word document here. Uh, for example, on... Uh, on my rosters, uh, Nico Sturm will have an 85. Yeah, that's that's good. So it should be higher. And um, he'll probably be playing on third line, so his percentage should be around there. But And he also won't face that many great centermen, theoretically, in that role. Yeah. So the, the percentage should line up, you know. Let's see. Um What'd you, what'd you say hurdles face off percentage? It's a uh, 56.3. Okay. This season. Well, he's, he's one point higher than Sturm at an 83. Oh, see, I was going to say he was at an 80. I, I thought last time I checked his face, it was just dead set at 80, but that's not. Yeah. And then you said Granlin was third best on the team with a 48. Mm-hmm. What do you think his number is? 85. Just an for the lulls. Oh, okay. Okay. But look at that from 50 or 62% down to 48 there is a 2 point gap between the two in face off rating. Hmm. Well, bank by the way is two way forward in the game. <sighs> Unless they changed God. him, is he now he should be like a playmaker uh, he or something. He is a two way. That's so fucking bad. He's terrible at defense. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. God. Um, actually, and really quickly for you, um, there was something else I had seen in the past week. Uh, good friend of the show, Jay Fresh Hockey, uh, did his uh, fan vote, fan vote for fan bases and most hated teams. Uh, yeah, I participated in that. Did you? Yeah, it was a blast. Did you see who the Sharks' three most hated teams are? Uh, and assuming... if you had to guess, who would they be? Three most hated teams: Vegas, first, LA. second, and third. How would you rank them? Vegas, L.A., and <laughs> what the fuck Why are those balloons? balloons? <laughs> what, the <fuck? laughs> what the hell was that about? I didn't do anything. That was all you. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't touch anything. Happy birthday! No, it's happy it's, birthday! No, it's not even close. <laughs> what the hell? Um, um, yeah, it's got to be Vegas, L.A., and <sighs> who else would we hate? You got the first two right and in the correct order. 
Boston. For some reason, people don't like Boston here. The fan vote went with Anaheim. Yeah, I guess I that see that that's my bias. I'm like, I don't really mind them anymore. But yeah, it yeah. makes sense. And really quickly, if you had to guess the Bruins, their three most hated teams. Ooh. <sighs> Toronto's got to be one, right? They are number one. <laughs> okay, yeah. Toronto, Tampa, and then Montreal. Toronto, Montreal, and Florida. Ah, yeah, of course. Of course, mm. of course. Ah, yes, it's a jar of preserves. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I think the only other team that has the Sharks listed is as, as a rival is Vegas, uh, and they have them at third behind Edmonton and Dallas. Hmm. So that I think that's Vegas tr- fans trying to pull the we don't even think about you, which is bullshit. I mean, it, it makes sense though. Like it was such a yeah. short-lived rivalry. It was when it was heated. It was fucking heated. It was the most heated rivalry like ever mm. that I can remember as a Sharks fan. Right. And because it was nasty, but again, maybe that's just recency bias. I'm sure during the LA and Anaheim times that those rivals, I can remember Facebook fucking comment wars with LA fans, dude. Like that was heated. <laughs> like does before I was on Twitter, like, that was heated. Mm. But uh, old days. God, uh, what man? What were all the questions? Because I remember, I remember answering who I thought the most delusional fan base was. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't have those particular results in front. Uh, of me, God, but all right. That's okay. Wilson, with that. We bring 2023 to a close here on the podcast. We'll see what 2024 looks like for us. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest, just because of everything that we've talked about today. You know, hockey as it is, uh, the video game as it is. We'll see. Uh, We are still going to find our ways to have fun with hockey, you know, especially in the video game sense. Um, you know, we talked about it. We'll probably play some ESHL on stream. We're probably in the new year going to get back to doing the whole Parsec Pals thing of whether it's NHL 2K10 or maybe we look back at the glory years of EA NHL and do kind of a playthrough on that. You know, we we have options um, one way or another. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But for now, um, 2023 comes to a close and well the perfect way to end the show would be saying manscaped fucking pay us but they're not going to at this point (laughs) ghosted on that deal um but hey who knows what the new year will bring sin your 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 jerry springer-esque final thoughts for 2023 (laughs) i don't know man it was was a year it was a pretty good year all things considered Outside of hockey, it was a pretty good year. Yes. Yeah. Good way to put it. Um, for myself, I, I I voice it the same way, right? I mean, it was it was a pretty good year. Outside of hockey, let's hope it probably won't be, everybody, because let's be honest, the past few years has been a bit rough in the hockey world, but let's hope that 2024 looks a little bit better. Again, you can follow Endo at EnduranceM on Twitter and Twitch. 
you can uh, catch Mr. Sin for the Win at Sin for the Win Productions on the YouTube side of things. Sin for the Win Prod on Twitter. If you can find him, I still see yeah. his shadow band. I'm pretty uh, sure I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I am everywhere at Tookie24. We will see you all in the new year. We love you. Thank you for listening, watching, supporting the show. And we'll see you next year.